As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Two thousand twenty two was a busy year in the world of North American soccer, so to end the year, we are doing our now traditional thing where we ask each of our seven full time staff writers about the favorite story that they covered this year. Today, Paul Tenorio discusses his trip to Otterbach, Germany, the hometown of US World Cup midfielder Weston McKenney. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day. Okay, I have here with me Paul Tenorio, senior writer for U.S. Soccer. Paul, we're asking everybody to choose their favorite stories of 2022, and you have done a fair few in 2022. You spent a lot of time on the road with the U.S. national team. You've done a lot of MLS coverage, a lot of everything. Um, One of the things that we did in the lead up to the 2022 World Cup was a series on the hometowns of a bunch of U.S. men's national team players. And you did one of them on Weston McKinney. And that is your pick for for this particular uh, exercise, I guess. And I'm curious why you picked it, uh, because you had a lot to choose from between MLS and U.S. national team coverage. You obviously wrote the big piece right after the U.S. qualified that sort of went into the whole history of the thing. You did multiple really, really great features about the U.S. itself in Qatar. Uh, what is it about writing writing about Weston McKinney's German hometown that sort of made it pop to mind for you for this? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the other one that was kind of in my mind, which is when the U.S. qualified for the World Cup. And I really loved that story because it was like a mix of things I love about this job. Like we were, Sam and I were writing that story on deadline in a hotel in Costa Rica, first ahead of the game. And then obviously, you know, finishing it up after the game at like, three in the morning in a, in a hotel lobby with, you know, warm beer. Cause we had to buy as many as we could before it closed and like trying to, you know, trying to get that over the line. And you guys at home having to edit it late at night, I felt so bad, um, but it, <laughs> it was, was like, fun. you know, it was great. It was, I was working on it with Sam and and that always, that was fun. There was a lot of that over the last year and a half, but what stood out to me about the Weston story, what I loved about it is that it's kind of like everything I love about this job I have, which is so cool. Um, I don't take it for granted. And I think this year, especially, you know, emphasize that for me, just how lucky I am. And so wh- why I picked it is, you know, the the genesis for this story started a while back. I wrote a feature about Weston 
And I spoke to his parents for that story. And I spoke to Weston for that story. And his dad told me the story about how Weston first started playing soccer and about this gymnasium across the street from Weston's home in Germany when they lived there. And I asked Weston about it and he had a good anecdote about it. And so I I think it's cool when you have like an image in your mind of what it looks like and then to get a chance to go and actually see it. So it started as an anecdote and a story about Weston that I wanted to become the story itself about where, you know, as this hometown series was like, where are these people from these players, this team, and how did they become soccer players? How did they become a part of this team? And, and so, you know, we're lucky enough to travel a lot for, for work. And in this case, we went to Cologne, Germany for friendlies in September. And so, you know, whenever I'm on a road trip of any kind, I always try to look at how can I maximize my time there? How can I maximize our budget to do as many stories as possible and to kind of try to think outside the box? I am also interested in this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, to, and to try to write something that's different than what other people are writing, because you're there with a group of journalists who are all sitting at the same round tables with the same people as you, and you you want to differentiate your coverage. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm going to be in Cologne, which was amazing, by the way. I am going to see, let me let me look at where Weston, where this hometown was. And it was in Kaiserslautern, and it was a, a few hours on the train. I think it was like four hours or something like that on a train, but it was doable. There was a direct train line from Cologne to Kaiserslautern, and I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pick a day. And I had to, it was tough, the timing, because Sam was in Amsterdam working on Sergio Des' hometown. So I was holding down the coverage in Cologne. And then Sam's flight, he had to push back or his train because he he got a chance to tour Ajax, um, which was going to make that Sergio story even better. So like we were like, oh, no, am I going to get this done? And by pushing it back a day, it ended up working out great for me because I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of go blind. I was having trouble getting in touch with some people that I thought would help me for this. And like the night before I hadn't even booked my train ticket and I texted um, Weston's mom, Tina, and I said, hey, look, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's late at night here in Germany and I'm just thinking through this. I'm sorry to bug you, but I think I'm going to catch a train to Kaiserslautern tomorrow and try to find this gymnasium and I'm having trouble. Like, can you help me get the address to, you know, this gymnasium to your um, to your old house? And she responded right away. And she was like, yeah, I I have the address somewhere. I'm at work now. I'll try to find it. And within like 30 minutes, she had reached out to Toby uh, Kraut, Kraut, who was the the friend of Weston, who first introduced Weston to the game. And Toby lives still in Kaiserslautern. And so he agreed to pick me up at the train station and take me um, to Otterbach. And so I know I'm rambling here, but what I loved about it was like, how would things come together like that? How a relationship I built writing a profile about Weston, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago, whenever that was helped me get this story to the next point. And, and, and then taking a train through Germany uh, to get to this, you know, you see the whole region, you're going through these small German towns. And then I got there and, and Toby was fantastic. He drove me from Kaiserslautern to Otterbach. He showed me his old apartment across the street from the gymnasium, Weston's house, which is now a nail salon. Yeah. Um, we walked through everything. We we drove around, uh, drove around. Otterbach is tiny, so it took like three <laughs> minutes to make it to the whole town and had a coffee there and got a, uh, went and checked out the different churches and, you know, all those different things. And so, um, 
yeah, it just kind of was like a, a really fun story to report. And then I should I should shout out Toby after this too, because after Otterbach, he took me back to his house at Kaiserslautern because at the very beginning when he picked me up, he was telling me about, because I was asking like, how do you think this region influenced Weston as a player? And he was talking about Kai- FC Kaiserslautern is like this blue collar team. They're very difficult to play against and they have this stadium that's up the hill. It's up on a hill. And, you know, back when they were in the Bundesliga, he was bragging to me that, you know, Oliver Kahn used to say that they, no one ever likes to go up the hill to play because it's, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. the, the old English adage of like, can you do it on a rainy night in Stoke? Sure. On a rainy Wednesday night. And so he, his apartment actually overlooked all of Kaiserslautern and looked at the stadium. So he took me back to see that Vista and, uh, you know, informed me a little bit about some of the the food and beverage culture of Kaiserslautern. Oh. Uh, and then I caught a and then I caught a train back, uh, a four hour train back in the evening, uh, which was exhausting. Um, yeah, you know, but it was it was a really fun one day of reporting. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, it sounds like it. Was there was there anything about that experience in Otterbach that surprised you? I feel like, you know, in your position, you get to learn a lot about all these players, like a lot, not even just U.S. national team players, a lot of soccer players that, you know, happen to come into the United States for, for one reason or another. And you come to expect certain things from from people that grew up in, in certain cultures. Was there anything about McKinney's upbringing, about his hometown, about anything you learned on that reporting trip that was not something that you expected. I think it told me so much about Weston. First of all, it, you know, I, like I told you, I had an image in my mind of what it looked like. It looked nothing like what the image was in my mind. I kind of so? thought, like, I, how I was thought it different? like, you know, I grew up near Fort Belvoir in Virginia and there used to be a gymnasium that we would go play soccer in. And it was like a big metal long gymnasium, you know? And so I kind of pictured it that way. This is like legitimately a, a small elementary school with like a, a little it did it was like an indoor soccer gym but it was like a, like a like a school gym and yeah. the parking lot wasn't <laughs> asphalt it was like kind of like a brick type of yeah. parking lot and so just the and what it looked like in general um you know was different than what i had imagined in my head and you know the fact that weston's house was a nail salon and i had to kind of like imagine it still <laughs> as like a home um but you know so that part surprised me just in general kind of what the landscape looked like and um, how like rudimentary Weston's first kicks of a ball were like li- literally they would, you know, some of this stuff I, I put in some of it, I couldn't, you know, it was hard to, harder to write than it is, but like they used to have Weston run into this old man's yard to steal apples. And he was the janitor, the guy who caretaker of the school. And eventually he got tired of these kids running into his yard to take apples, to put down as cones to, to practice. And so he, he ended up drawing like put like painting, I guess, on the, on the parking lot for them to have these things that they could use. But 
Um, so that part of it was surprising, but I think also like what stood out to me about it is when you talk to Toby and you reflect on the beginnings of, of Weston's soccer life. Um, I think it speaks a lot to who Weston is like, and, and they just put out a video Weston's team, like Weston's PR team uh, about this. And Weston's dad was talking about it. Like Weston, we know him to be like very bubbly, precocious, like outgoing, willing to talk, uh, jovial, and that's yeah. what that's what helped him learn soccer. Like he was not afraid to go over as a six year old and like talk to these people from Germany and and become friends with them and play soccer with them and constantly ask Toby to come outside and play with them to help him get better. And so I just it doesn't surprise me, but I think it speaks to like who Weston is as a person is very much a part of why he's a soccer player and, and the type of soccer player he is. Like he integrates himself into situations very easily and very well. And we've seen that at Schalke and at Juve and with the U.S. team. And it, it very much was a part of the genesis of, of him as a soccer player. Is there any element of this story or maybe you could apply this to our hometown series writ large um, that you think is going to be relevant or that you're going to take with you or that you'll think back on often as you continue coverage of the team and soccer in this country in 2023 and beyond, like what, what are some of those, what, what's like a lasting lesson or, or, or thing you took away from the process of doing this story? Well, I think um, a few things. I always try to remind myself to try to cover everything I cover from a human angle as often as possible. And not just like, as like these guys are athletes or robots or just about the game. I mean, I do plenty of that on allocation disorder about roster rules and whatever, but when it comes sure. to like the actual players, it's like, you're, you're never going to understand them better than if you like really know where they came from and, and how they got to this level. And it's funny because, you know, what I've learned covering this world cup team, this U S team is like, I talked to Sam about this a lot actually in Qatar, but like, you know, teams don't change. The dynamics of teams are the same from like your like U14 youth team that you grew up playing with through colleges, through professional levels, and even all the way to the national team. The dynamics the same are the roles same. still exist. Yeah. There are still parents who are, you know, over the top with certain things. There are, you know, people complaining about their playing time. The guys who are happy are the guys who are playing the most. The guys who are grumbling are the guys who aren't playing as much. These dynamics don't change. You know why? Because they're human beings. They're the same. Everyone is the same. And like the families are the same. And the only difference is that these guys are really good and they've gotten to this level. And like I, I remember first seeing it or like kind of realizing it when I was dating my wife and uh, my brother-in-law played college hockey. And like you're with these like high level, high level college hockey. And you're with these like guys who are going to go to the NHL and you go to like a breakfast before a game. And it's like the same feeling that I had at a tournament with my soccer team growing up, you know, like the interactions with the parents and, you know, because they're still just parents to them in those rooms. These are their kids. They're not yeah. professional athletes or high level college. They're just their kids. And, and so I, I, I think that that's going to be my takeaway from this hometown series, from reading Sam's stories and hearing about his reporting process to my own with Weston um, and, and my experiences around the team in general. It's just that like the human dynamic of these athletes is what makes, if you can tell those stories, those are the most interesting stories to tell. And if you can rem remember that that's still a big part of this team and of these, of these players that like who they are, um, is, is a huge influence on what we see on the field too, um, especially with this team and how close they are. So that's going to stick with me. I think telling stories about this team, about these athletes, 
and even as I kind of look to go back a little bit more, maybe this year into MLS to try to say, okay, where can I find more of those types of stories about the athletes, about the coaches, about the GMs, where, where you can, you can learn a little bit about how they think and who they are. Um, that, that makes the coverage, you know, that much more colorful. Well, I'm really looking forward to reading some more of those types of stories from you in the next year. But for now, Paul, I know you just got back from Qatar a couple of weeks ago. You're getting some much, much needed family time. So I'll leave you to it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much, Alex. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the show today and all year long. We'll be back in 2023 with new episodes. Until then, happy soccer to all of you.